Hey, now, all right, we are here. We are live. My name is Rob, Rob School of Music. And we are with the legendary, I cannot even believe I'm saying it, Mr. Steve Vai. All right. Wow. Nice to be here, Rob. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Steve, today is my birthday. So you are the greatest. Oh, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You, you are the gift. So thank you. Um, so, so we're a music school and, um, you know, we, we have a brick and mortar location and we've been doing, you know, lessons for four years now. And then the last year, obviously due to COVID, we moved everything virtual and we've done over 5,500 virtual lessons over the course of the last year or so. And um, we've been doing these wow, these interviews. That's amazing! Congratulations! 50, did you say fifty five hundred? Yeah, yeah, five thousand five hundred wow. and like wow. thirty two or something. <laughs> nice. Thank you. The world feel a little bit smaller. So thank you so much for your time today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Awesome. So so the first question I like to ask is, you know, what what was the first concert or album that that you came in contact with and said, "Wow, I, I want to make my life. I want to dedicate my life to music." Well, uh, you know, these things come uh, come to us uh, usually through like family, you know. So when I was young, I was subjected to the music that my parents were bringing into the house. And a good majority of it was like comedy records and polka records, Italian kind of music and stuff like that. So I, I enjoyed it all, you know. But then they uh, brought home West Side Story the music from West Side Story. And that really captured me. That was, I'm, I'm, I was maybe three, four years old or something. But it really had a profound impact because if you've ever watched the movie, it's quite dramatic and it's got an incredible story. It's sort of a kickback to the Romeo and Juliet thing. And it also has a lot of uh, theater, drama, dance, um, uh, it's got like uh, fight sequences. It's got these love sequences. It was done incredibly well, but the music was Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. I mean, you just don't get any more inspired than that. So these guys, uh, this music had a big impact. And the thing that I love so much about it, it was very open and free and it was orchestrated. So you had, it, it, it sounded limitless. So that was one of the first things that woke me up. And I knew that I wanted to, well, I didn't know what I wanted. I mean, you don't know when you're four, you know, in between pooping my pants, you know, <laughs> I was uh, interested. Definitely. I instinctually understood what it would mean to be able to create that. So that was the first thing. And then for, you know, like all good Italian boys from Long Island, when I was nine years old, I was forced to play the accordion. <laughs> uh, but it was fine. You know, I learned more about music. But then uh, my sister came home with Led Zeppelin. And that was pretty much it. I, you know, my brothers were listening to like, I remember I got Sly and the Family Stones greatest hits. And I loved that. And then uh, and Creedence Clearwater Revival, stuff like that. But I was like 10. And then um, there was a, a department store up the street called Corvettes. And I used to go there and they had a record department. And I'd do everything I can to get records, 45s. I'd use my lunch money, my paper route money, you know, any, anything I could do. And I'd buy all these top 40, 45s. But then uh, when, when my sister came home with Led Zeppelin when I was about 12, that was a real turning point. That's awesome. It's funny you say the accordion. My last name is Spampanato, so I am well versed in the Italian accordion rite of passage. Thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Hundred um, percent. 
So I'm going to jump around with the questions just because my brain is so scattered with this. Mm-hmm. You know, you have played on some of the biggest stages and which is an incredible journey than maybe mm-hmm. intermediate or advanced. So something pre-COVID that we would always try and do is put them together in groups and have them perform, you know, at like a, a summer fair or things like that, just so they're out playing. And one of the things that they they deal with primarily is nerves, stage fright. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to know if you had any tips for dealing with that. Has that dissipated over time for you? Mm. Yeah, when I was young, it was definitely an issue. I, there was a lot of fear, you know, a lot of nervousness. Uh, even when I was touring with Frank Zappa, there was pressure because the music was so intense and so difficult. And I was 20 years old and I was with Frank Zappa, you know. So uh, dealing with nerves is not an uncommon question I get asked. And there's a couple of things I, it's gonna, I might get a little esoteric. Please do. But, you know, that that's me. Um, you know, when, when you're nervous about something, it means that that's an egoic thing, you know, because there's a fear of failing or a fear of being made fun of or not fitting in, you know, all these things. And I, and I understand that there's, you know, this is very, uh, very um, common, you know, but here's, here's something that can help a couple of things. Uh, The reason why we become nervous is because we're projecting into a fearful fantasy future that hasn't happened. And we're creating uh, scenarios that haven't happened and probably won't happen, uh, but we believe them. So if you look very closely at your nerves, it's because you're, you're thinking about something in the future, even if that future is one second or 10 seconds, you know, 20 seconds. What's going to happen when I get up there? Am I going to screw up? Am I going to be made fun of? You know, the, all these, these, this is where the fear comes in and this is where nerves come in. You don't want to be considered less than, right. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fail. Okay. So now that's, that's not an easy nut to uh, conquer, but there's a couple of things you can do that would be very helpful. And uh, the, the first and fourth, well, there's one technique that can, that can help. And, uh, it's, it's just two words that you have to remember. If ever you're feeling nervous about something, or actually these two words are very helpful in myriad situations, whether you have to make, when you have to make a decision about something, if you're concerned about a relationship or finances or saying the right thing, or if you need to, if you need an excellent solution. And these two words are, relax and breathe. Okay. So now how could those two words pull you out of being scared shitless before you go on stage? I'll tell you how, because as I mentioned, the only reason why you're feeling nerves is because your mind is somehow projecting into a future moment and you're creating a mental reality that hasn't happened that you're afraid might happen. Okay. So this is actually a, a, it's a bit of a form of insanity, you know, to be projecting and and creating a, we all do it. This is the human condition. If you notice, this is what most people do. They project into the future, a fearful fantasy because they believe they have to figure things out or the wheels are going to fall off. And uh, this is very, very fearful because 
that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to have to figure things out. Yeah. First of all, you can't <laughs> because everything's changing. You can only make decisions in, in the moment, right? Because all the cooperative components that are necessary to make a decision about anything can only ever be presented to you in your now. This, this is non-debatable because it's always only ever now. You can only ever make a decision and you know, you can't make a decision about tomorrow now. I mean, of course, there's some things you can say, well, you can, you can set up parameters, you, but you don't know. You, 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 in reality, you have no idea what's going to happen. So there can be a release in that. There can be a release from fear in that, in the recognition that you don't know anything. That in reality, you have no idea how things are going to go. You can plan and you can try to stick to that plan, but uh, you, you just don't know. So when you, are, when you re remember these two words, relax and breathe, what, what, it's, what, uh, what I'm recommending you do once you can remember those words is actually do them. You relax. Now, how do you relax? It's it's very difficult when you're in the state of, of fear or nervousness to, to for anything to work. Sometimes you just have to abandon any technique and just go through with it because you're just too far gone, you know. But the, 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 there's a lot of suffering in that. As a matter of fact, when I first started the, my, my first gig when I was 13, before I got on that stage for about a week, I couldn't, I couldn't eat really. I couldn't sleep for two nights before I didn't sleep at all. Like I was, I was a nervous wreck. I was throwing up from you know, anxiety. Yeah. It was crazy, you know? And uh, the moment I got up there and the lights went out and I started to play, it all went away and I felt totally at home. Wow. <laughs> but, um, but this getting back to this relaxing and breathing. So what does it mean to do this? It means to take your attention which was usually in the future, a fearful fantasy future, and bring it into your body. Put your actual attention into your inner body and relax it with your breathing. So you take a breath in, and you have to stay focused. Just even if you can do this for five seconds, a minute is better, you know, but you, you relax. You've got to keep your attention in your body, though. That's the, that's 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 going to be the determining factor at how much control you have over your mind. Are you going to allow your mind to project into this fantasy future? Are you going to take control of it and say, OK, I'm going to relax and I'm going to breathe. And with every so holding your attention here, so you have to feel your body from the inside. And the moment you do that, you can feel where all the, you can just, it's all tension. You know, most people are in a state of stress and tension, especially if you're nervous about going on stage, you know, you'll feel it. It's like, wow, there's a lot of tension there, but you got to hold it there. And every breath you take, you, re, you, you relax. Now the mind is going to want to pull you back into the, 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 the fear, into the nervousness. Sure. It's going to say, it's going to say things to you like, you don't have time for this Steve I shit, you know, of relaxing and breathing. You're not. You have to worry about this. 
imagine that? You have to worry about this. This is serious. You're going on stage. You could screw up. You know, th this is a lie that your mind is telling you. You have to ignore that voice because that's your ego. This is the voice of your ego. And you have to go back into relaxing and breathing, even if for just five seconds, just five seconds. And then when you come out of it, you're more centered. You, you, you've, the, the, the stress, a lot of it has, has dissipated. You know, it's dissolved. Now, it's a practice. It's a practice. So here's, here's what you're doing when you do that. You're, you're taking your attention out of the future or out of the past, and you're bringing it into the present moment. In the present moment, there is no fear. It, 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 you, you, have to, you have to give yourself a break from projecting into, and just put your attention in this moment right now. It starts with it starts with just observing what's going on around you, observing the world around you without labeling anything or 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 criticizing anything. There is no room in your mind for nervousness and fear when your attention is in the present moment. And if your mind says, "No, that doesn't work because in the present moment I'm going on stage and I'm nervous." No, you're not in the present moment. You're in going on the stage. <laughs> You know, even so, this is this is why this is why you're nervous because you're not being present. Now, being present is a practice, but it's the most vital practice that you can do in your life for the rest of your life, because from it comes peace. It's the only way to find peace. From it comes clarity, clarity of your own instinctual impulses which are creative clarity for those creative things that are right specifically for you, not for what the world thinks you should be doing, but for you, you won't know these things when you're trapped. Yeah. So that's why this practice of presence and relaxing and breathing can be extraordinarily beneficial in, in many situations, in any, any situation. Yeah. So, Next time you're walking to a stage and you're feeling nervous, give your attention to your now, meaning if you're walking, every, everything that you do is actually a small little step. There's nothing big. Nobody does big things. They're actually very little things. Walking from the, from the door, from the backstage area, you know, uh, you, you, you just become present. You're present with walking. You're present with reaching the door handle and opening. These are all simple little things. You know what I mean? And they're enjoyable when there's no fear in them. So then you're walking towards the stage one step at a time. There's no need to project into fear. You just, you're there walking towards the stage. You're taking us all little things. You're stepping up on the stage, you're waving the people. It's a little thing. You know, you're, you're seeing people in that moment and you're waving. You don't have to, you know what you're going to play. You've already practiced, hopefully, right. you know, that's another way. Uh, so, so then another, the other thing, so you're on stage and you're playing and you're going for this note or that note, all pre being present with it. They're all little things. They're all little steps, you know, 
And um, another, um, oh, I had a point I was going to make. Well, in any event, so experiment with that, uh, being present. Uh, this will dissolve nervousness. You, you have to understand being nervous is an egoic function because nervousness is a form of, it's fear. And the only thing that is ever fearful is your ego. The ego is the only thing, and it's and it's 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 not even real. In 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 reality, there is no such thing as fear, except in the mind of man. Except it's a concept in the mind of man. If you are present and you're looking into the world, show me fear. You can't. It doesn't exist. You can't point and go. There's fear. You can't. It doesn't exist. I mean, you can point out people in fear. You can point out people acting out fearful thoughts. But in reality, fear is a mental concept created by man. <laughs> and it's unnecessary. It's not who you are. Your natural state of being is fear-free. It's of well-being. It's of life in the present moment. That's your natural state of being. It's joyful. I love and that's that. when you play the best. That's when you write the best. That's when you you are communicating the best. That's when your your creativity is at its finest, when there's no stress. And stress is only ever created by the thoughts in your mind based on a fearful fantasy future or a past that you're lamenting based on your perspective of your past, which is completely screwed up, by the way. <laughs> it's not it's not true. Trust me, what you believe happened in your past is your your perspective. It's your concepts of what happened. It's not really what happened. That doesn't exist anymore in reality. So that's why being present is the answer. I love that. That was a life skill and something that hit so close to home for me, um, especially over the course of this last year. You know, the world is upside down and everything. Yeah. Is, and, and us having these music lessons every week. You know, like we in uh, we're in New York and the second COVID death in the state of New York happened in our town before New York City got crazy, before mm. everything got crazy. So we pivoted to everything online as a precaution just to see what happened. And in doing that, we became this normalcy in the lives of everyone while everything was changing, all of our students. So this mindfulness and just consistency and things like that, I I am in love with that. And that is intertwined and so much of what we do here. So we're well, it's a, it is a, it is a spiritual practice. What yeah. you'll recognize if you start studying presence and the present moment, that it is the one true spiritual teaching in sure. uh, in all of history. By the way, um, and there's many great teachers that have taught it because it's uh, even Socrates and you know you even Einstein, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, contemporarily, there's teachers like Eckhart Tolle. And uh, th there's many. So uh, I would highly recommend the study of that type of spirituality because it's real core and there's nothing mysterious or mystical or anything like that. It's just reality. It's the it's the study of reality. And uh, it 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 relieves stress that causes suffering in your life. Sure. Mental, psychological suffering. Yeah, I think the power of now should be mandatory for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That should be like a talk to kids because yeah. they'll understand it before yeah. it gets conditioned out of them. <laughs> yes, yes.
Awesome. Wow. Oh, I didn't even expect to go that direction so early. That was incredible. No, I can't help it. <laughs> no, no, that's fantastic. Please. That that's amazing. Um, I want to talk about practice routine just for a second. So when mm -hmm. I first started playing guitar, my guitar teacher, you were his greatest influence. He had a picture of you and himself when he was younger um, on his wall. And I was like, who's this guy? And he's like, you'll see when you're ready. And then um, it was right around the time when um, UltraZone came out. So mm -hmm. my dad took me to go see you live at a Birch Hill in Old Bridge, New Jersey. Nice. And I was like my whole just guitar changed for me. Um, I, I waited outside a tour bus. She signed my T-shirt. It was, it was like I still have to share it. It was so special to me. And from that moment on, I'm like, wow. Um, oh, you so were that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> back. You've, I found you. <laughs> but, you know, I just I, I, you're, you're so incredible on all different ways you approach music and it's just I, I i'm curious how you how you approach practicing and then maybe combine that with i know it, 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 well i'll try it so how do you approach is practicing and how would you uh, suggest to someone who wants to get a basic understanding of theory because i know a lot of my guitar students they're afraid of theory and i say read this book it'll change your opinion <laughs> I, I read this cover to cover on the way to uh, nam in 2020 and i said wow he's he's made it make sense but um, what would you recommend to, to someone starting fresh? Well, uh, the most important thing is, um, is that you follow your enthusiasm. You, you follow those things that are interesting to you. This is, this is the most important thing. Uh, because uh, it, these days it's very easy for like a guy like me to come along and say, you have to do this and you have to do that, or you really need to do this or you should do that. But um, that doesn't really work for a lot of people because what you should do is what you feel compelled to do. Uh, because otherwise you're not going to really enjoy the, the, the experience. And if, if, if you're not enjoying something, why do it? Right. You know, and also you won't have the, you won't have the retention you know, like if I said, you need to study all of your modes and all the synthetic modes and be able to play them in every key, uh, you know, th th at face value. Yeah, sure. That sounds like it could be very helpful and all. But some people that just they can't they just don't have the mind to retain or the, or the interest, you know, and if, if you don't have the interest, it's fine. So first and foremost. First and foremost, there's, there's a feeling in you that you get when you think of something that's, or you're inspired over something that's um, interesting and exciting to you. Whatever style of music that is, whatever kind of guitar that is, whatever bands that might be, uh, you know, these things are uniquely important to you and they bring about a feeling of enthusiasm i just i remember when i was a kid and i got my first little guitar and it had a whammy bar i mean that whammy bar was like everything you know and it's like okay, i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be a whammy bar guy you know my whole life i just knew it i just i i saw the whammy bar i said i know what that does i got it you know and you know it, i remember when i went to berkeley and I was taking one class and the teacher says, well, you can't be using a whammy bar. You know, this is the, in this, you know, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing that. And, the, and I just instinctively th thought, no, <laughs> oh, yes, I can. 
yes, I can. You know, so this is what I mean. So, okay, so you're starting out and you're a little confused and you don't know which way to go and you just heard the best advice you'll ever get. <laughs> but what does that mean? Uh, having said all that, if you have a pull to be a musician, you'll know. And there's, there's basically various kinds of musicians. There's people that love music, that love the guitar, that want to learn, they want to play. Uh, they're not quite sure if they want to make a career out of it because it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of concern there. And, you know, then they have obligations and they need to make ends meet and could be a little challenging as a musician to make ends meet. So then they get a job and they start feeling guilty because they can't spend all their time playing music. This is all um, unnecessary to feel this way. You know, if you have to get a job, you got to get a job, you know, and, and whatever. Now that's what, and you can play the guitar and you can play music for the rest of your life under various situations. You may even get in a situation where you're in a band and you, you get some traction for a little while, you get a hit and then it goes away and you're left. You know, life is a long time. A career is a long time. So if you're that kind of a guitar player, that's fantastic. You may or may not get into situations where you could, make a living from it and you may have to uh get work you know do work and that's that's totally fine this is one of the biggest issues one of the problems that people face is they start feeling guilty right. <laughs> if they you know it, it, i'm i'm supposed to be a guitar player for the rest of my life so i i have to you know i have to undo everything else you know and and but how am i gonna and what and then what so this causes a lot of stress Right. And it's a lot of weight to carry to make a decision now for the rest of your life. Yeah. My my advice is be friendly with yourself. There's no need to make those kinds of decisions. Be present and and everything. Everything's going to unravel perfectly. If you need to get a job or you find another interest that has a similar kind of a pull as being a musician without stress, you'll naturally gravitate to it and it'll be fine. And then there's musicians, there's people that come into the world and they just don't have a choice. They just know instinctually, I'm a, I'm a musician and it doesn't matter if it's easy or hard. This is what I do and that's it. They don't even give it a thought. They don't make a decision. <laughs> and that, for some reason, that was the case with me. When I, when I never made a decision to be a musician because if I would have had to make a decision, that would have meant there was an option. And there was there was never an option. It was just like, well, this is what I want to do. You know, it was too exciting to me, you know, and I and I didn't care about being famous. I, honestly, as a matter of fact, it was a source of stress, the idea of it, uh, because when I was young, uh, my aunt said to me, people who are famous go insane. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, OK, I don't want that. Uh, and um, I just loved playing the instrument. So um so here's my, my thoughts on music theory. I, mean, I know I, I have a tendency to digress, but... Uh, I love it. I love it. It's good. Yeah. Having said all that, whether you decide to be a professional musician, whether, whether you are a professional musician for the rest of your life, or you're a hobbyist and you love it, and maybe you get a big hit and whatever, trust me, hits are, <laughs> hits are very short-lived. Life is long. Hits are short, you know? And bands are short. 
Led Zeppelin was short. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Powerful, but short. Um, I think it's still a good idea to at least educate yourself on some of the language in music, some of the terminology, some of the music theory that exists under your fingers that will be beneficial to you uh, in, in just normal situations of being a musician. Now, this, this information is simple stuff, the notes on the neck, what chords are, the simple um, uh, uh, infrastructure of how chords are created. This is simple. Look, you don't have to be smart <laughs> to grasp this stuff. Um, it's basic and it's, you don't even have to know it, but it will help you. The basics will be beneficial. That, that's my advice. Take a little time, even if you have to, even if it's not something that you're really, you have a pull to, just understanding simple things like the notes on the neck, what a sharp and a flat is, you know, what, what a scale is, what the names of these chords are. Uh, the, the, this can be helpful. And you showed the Vidiology book. If you just picked up that book and read through it, uh, yeah, that that I built that book specifically for the kind of thing that I thought was missing for people that should have some kind of a basic understanding, but don't really care so much about it. Mm -hmm. because the book can go really deep if you want. But if not, it's got simple terminology that even the, even the person that is completely against understanding music theory can read it and go, oh, okay, I get that. Yep. So what? It's simple. I get it. Because music theory is intimidating to a lot of people. So if you feel that, and here's why, because they don't believe they're smart enough to grasp it. They don't think enough of themselves. Sorry, that's the way it is, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they just or they, there's no interest, you know, there's there's either just no interest at all or there's just a fear because. It's just too much. It's too complicated. You know, it's not if you just take it slow and you just get the basics. So I highly recommend that. I totally agree. What what you know, it's funny because before your book came out in my teaching and the way I train the teachers to work here is, you know, we would always try and put, you know, over the course of a month in each lesson, sprinkle a little theory in, and then maybe on the fourth or fifth week loop back and put it all together. So it's almost like we're sneaking it in, trying to make it more digestible. So it wasn't intimidating. Yeah. And then when I first got your book, I'm like, well, obviously Steve, I has now mastered doing what I'm trying to explain to people to make it digestible and not frightening. So I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of like technique. It's like so, a lot of people feel that they need to practice and practice and practice and they don't want to, yeah. you know. Well, here's the thing about technique. You, you will naturally, without any mind stuff, you will naturally gravitate to what's appropriate for you if you allow yourself to naturally gravitate to it. And what I mean by that is this. You, you, in order to get your creative point across, every, everybody is creative and everybody has a unique, unique sense of creativity within them. This is, this is just obvious by looking at people. Pe everybody looks unique. They think uniquely and their ability to be creative is unique. Now, some people, unfortunately, don't get to really explore deeply their own unique creativity for various reasons. And one of those reasons is uh, fear. That's, you know, they're afraid that 
it's not good enough or they're going to fail at it or it's not going to fit in. That's a big one, not fitting in. So only you'll know what your creative impulses are. But in order to bring those creative impulses into the world in an effective way, you have to have some some kind of technique. You know, you got to you have to be able to. You have to have some kind of technique. Even Bob Dylan needs had some kind of technique to get, you know, he had actually very good technique for what he was doing to get his point across. It didn't he did not need to practice the way Steve Vai practiced, you know, because his intentions were not to be a virtuoso. Mine were, you know, <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I just I just loved practicing. It's just like you couldn't you couldn't tear me away because for me, the greatest thrill was not being able to do something and then working on it and working on it. And then all of a sudden being able to do it, it was like it made every day Christmas, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and I loved it. It became very addictive. And that was my enthusiasm. And that's what I followed. And that's all I ever followed. So in the beginning, to answer your question about. So anyway, um, about technique, if you want to be a world-class virtuoso, you're going to have to put many, many, many hours in on the instrument, but it's not going to be a problem and it's not even going to feel like a discipline. Your passion will guide you and it's a much more powerful tool than discipline because if you believe that in order to be successful, in order to be respected, you need to be a virtuoso you're not so interested in it, but you, you really feel like you need to. And, and, and everybody's telling you, oh, you got to practice your scales and your exercises and all this stuff till you're blue in the face. You might be doing it and you might, might not really be enjoying it. And it's not going to really do you much good, you know, because uh, you're not exploring your real creative potential. So you have to be in touch with what it is that you really want and not rely on what the world is telling you you should want. Mm. Okay, that's really important. Yeah. You know, and nobody's teaching it. So once you know what you want, you will naturally gravitate to the kind of practice, the kind of routines, the kind of company you keep, the kind of uh, music you listen to. You'll naturally gravitate because your your interests will be on your radar, not your fear. Your fear being on your radar is like, okay, what can I do not to fail? What can I do to fit in, you know, and and uh, what do I do to make sure that, you know, um, this is all going to work out? This is all nonsense. It never does. It never does. You know why? You know why that never works? Because you're compromising your freedom. And your freedoms, your, your, when your freedom is compromised, it never works. That leads to depression. Yeah. That's what depression is, the compromising of your freedoms. And here's the funny thing. You're the only one that can do that. You're the only one that can compromise your freedom. It's not in the outside world. Most people blame it on the outside world. I can't do this because of that. That's a lie. It's a cop out and it's an excuse. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. That's the truth. Only you can compromise your freedom. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting that, you, you know, if it's it, lumping together a couple of the things you said, just unpacking it. I've been in situations where, like, I, I used to, um, my main gig was an acoustic duo. 
during, um, you know, we'd play three to five nights a week, just playing, you know, various situations. And on like gig four of four, three hour gigs in a row, as we're breaking down, I'm still noodling on the guitar and people in the band are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I like to play guitar. I don't know. And then on the, there's um, your clue. Right. Exactly. Right. And then connected to that is I'm seeing a lot of the students now in this virtual medium, you know, a big concern is how do you teach guitar when you can't move someone's fingers, all these different things. But I'm finding that, you know, say someone would have to come to the school, they drive 20 minutes here, they'd have the half hour lesson, they drive 20 minutes home, they get home. Now it's dinner time, it's homework time, it's, it's video games, distractions. But mm -hmm. now when they start the lesson in their room and they finish the lesson in the room, when they log off, I'm finding that they're practicing, you know, 30 to 90 minutes as soon as we're done because it's right there. And they're finding yeah. that, that passion and that love without anything distracting them from it. So very cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And as a teacher, uh, the best thing you can do is empower people with their, with their passion, you, you know, get to the bottom of the, the, the best thing you can do as a teacher is to let people know that they're worthy. They're worthy of following their passion. They're worthy of doing what they want and that they have a unique creativity and that uh, that's what they're here for. They're here to express their unique creativity in, in expression with the co-creativity with others. You can't do anything alone. You can't do anything alone. Nothing, it's impossible. Say, well, I can sit at my computer and do do stuff. No, you're you're not alone. Somebody built that computer. <laughs> you know, there was. You'd have to you'd have to go back to the beginning of time, to find all the cooperative components that had made it possible for you to sit in front of that computer by yourself. Everybody's involved. You know, yeah. so. And that's another great thing to do. Uh, is uh, especially at a music school. Uh, that was one of the great things about for me going to Berkeley was uh, being with other musicians, being with other artists, sharing and feeling them out and and communicating on musical levels. You know that it all boils down to your ability to put your attention in listening yep. and without without criticizing in your head. Like if you're in a situation and you're you're in a band and you're performing and it's a it's more of like an improvisational kind of a situation what's going through your head you need to you need to uh, be able to back up and and kind of become an observer of the thoughts that are arising in your own mind you'd be surprised at what those thoughts um actually are mm -hmm. if if you're it, 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 it's based on the individual, obviously, but if you're in a state of nervousness, if you're able to back up and look at those thoughts, you have to be very present. You'll notice that there's they're fear, fearful type thoughts, and you might notice that the, when when you're in that kind of a situation, there's a lot of thoughts going through your head. Are, are, am I, are people enjoying what I'm doing? Am I am I delivering? What scale do I use here? What chord? They, that guy knows the chords. That guy knows this. Oh my God! Look at him. How can I compete with that? You know the and and okay, I'm better than that guy. Okay, I can do that better. You know. And these are so you can you back up and look at all the thoughts that are going through your mind. You will. You might. You might realize. And this might not be everybody, but I know it was for me. 
<laughs> they're very critical thoughts. Yeah. And they're critical on yourself more than anything. So that that is the antithesis of being present. It's the exact opposite, right? Being present to look at the thoughts can be helpful. But um, another thing you can do, well, in that, if you can, if you can catch yourself being completely non-present, two words, relax and breathe, can help bring you back there. But also, another another great word to remember. Relaxing is always a prerequisite because it's the cure for a tremendous amount of ills. It's a cure for your inability to, to navigate the neck. It's a, it's a cure for your inability to move mellifluously or gracefully. It's a, it's a, it's a cure for your, the stiffness and the constant, the, 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 uh, 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 constant kind of stress that uh, you can have on stage. Another thing, especially, this is even if after you can relax, a very profound thing to practice, which many people do to a small degree and some people to a full degree, is listen. Listen. Listen intensely. Listening intensely is revelatory. And what I mean by that is it's a di I'm going to it's a different dimension. OK, when you put your attention into listening intensely to what's going on around you, you are entering a different dimension. Actually, it's the spiritual dimension uh, because it's a form of reality, you know, without. But when you listen, you can't you, you the, the, the little voice in the head has to stop. See, that's because the, the, the little voice in the head is the ego. Right. And it doesn't want you to be present, you know. So when you're in a musical environment where you're improvising and communicating with other musicians, your ability to communicate and really create something co-creative with them that's powerful is going to be cut at the root if your mind is wandering around things like whatever, you know. So... But when you enter that dimension of listening without criticizing, without judging, without labeling anything, you're connecting on a much deeper level to not only the environment, but the musicians. This is how you connect with a musician. You listen. And if you're listening carefully enough, there's, there's a very organic kind of a flow that starts to flow through you and into, into your playing. It it's hard to explain unless you go there. Right. You know, you have to go there. And and I would recommend trying this next time you're in a situation where you're performing with other people. Listen intensely without any mental interruptions. And the mind's gonna be coming in and, and interrupting you constantly. It's gonna want to pull you away. It's gonna, no, you can't listen. You have to worry about this. You know, that's when you gotta. Let those let those things come and go, and just go back to listening. Say no, right now the most important thing is just to listen, listen, listen. And and you can't even wonder how hard you're listening because then you're not listening. <laughs> it's very elusive state of mind. It's a it's a powerful dimension, uh, but it's hard to get to, and it's hard to hold. It's a practice, and it should be practiced as much as anything else that you are looking to master. 
The thing is, is it's much more important. It's much more important than anything we can discuss that has to do with the guitar, theory, your career, how you're going to sell your music. All that stuff is secondary to this primary importance. And I'll tell you why. You have to listen for your own inspiration. You have to, that dimension of listening is not just to the outside world. It's listening within to your own instinctual nature, your own instinctual creativity that's unique to you. It's there. There's no doubt about that. Wow. So, so being still enough to listen to where the melodies come from for your music. This is how you find the melodies. This is where all the good stuff comes from. You have to listen inside. It, it's the, and, and you're doing it. People do it, but you can refine it. And it's the most important. You don't have to know anything else but this. Of course, you have to have some technique. You know, you gotta, you gotta hone your vessel somehow to get it out into the world. Uh, but the amount of technique, as I mentioned, is based on what's necessary for you, for you to make that connection and bring it out into the world. And you need some technique for that. So listening is a practice. It's the most vital practice, both to the outside world and the inside world. And here's a great thing you can try. It's meditation. It's really good in nature, if you like in nature or something, but you can do it. I do it in my backyard. I just sit, is you sit and you just clear your mind, you relax and breathe, and then you listen. You don't label things. You just listen really intensely. You, you'd be shocked at what you discover, what's going on. There's layers upon layers of things, sounds that come and go and come and go. And there's loud things. And there's maybe it's the wind coming or maybe it's birds or maybe it's the traffic. You don't label it and go, oh, that's the traffic. Oh, that's a helicopter. That's annoying. No, the, 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 this, all the sounds are part of the meditation. They're just there. Wow. They're just there. You're not complaining about any of it. You're just listening intensely, and a miracle happens. You start recognizing that there's this is going on all the time, that there's this symphony. I call it the symphony of life. And what it is is it's, it's completely abstract. It's completely perfect. It never repeats itself. The entire universe since the beginning of time conspired to bring you this moment in sound right now. It's never going to repeat. It's perfect. And there's so much dimension in it. And this ability to listen is a practice, but it's vital. And as a matter of fact, it, it's not just useful in trying to connect with the music that's in you or with the musicians around you. It's vitally important when you're in a situation just with another person, just, just having a discussion with another person, just listening to what they're saying in presence without criticizing, without judging, without believing that you're, you know the answer, without waiting for them to stop so you can speak so that they know how all the, you know, your perspective, your point of view, you know, the greatest gift that you can give another person is your attention. Yeah. Your attention without any critical thinking in it. And this 
is the only way to meet the, the other person. Otherwise, you're meeting a mental uh, personality that you made for that person. Right. You know, when you're, you're thinking of, well, they, they, they look like this, so they, that means they're this. You know, they're wearing those clothes. They have that MAGA hat or whatever it is, you know. However, you, we, however we um, criticize people and create identities for them that are completely false, they're, they're insane. It's insane to do that. It's really damaging, and you just you don't meet the person. Right. So that's why giving somebody your attention without any criticism or critical thinking in it is the best gift you can give them because what you're saying to them is, you're okay. I, I'm not judging you. If, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, this, this is, I'm meeting you in this moment. And, and that, uh, the listening meditation is helpful for that. It relieves, it, it dissolves stress also. Incredible. Incre this is like, I had all these questions about gear and all this kind of stuff. And you're just giving life. You can get gear questions from anybody, brother. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not really even that good at it. I can't remember that shit. <laughs> but this is like, <laughs> I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the bigger point. And that's, that's what I'm loving about every second of this is this is none of that matters if this stuff isn't on point. This right. And I'm, and I'm happy to talk about that stuff the best I can. There's other people that, like I say, are much better at it. Well, I'm going to give you a, a this or that quiz at the end, which is super lighthearted. Uh, but but I, I love this topic. I'm going to I'm going to stick on it for a few more minutes, if you don't mind. So one of my questions would have been, you know, the day in the life of Steve Vai. But you've mentioned this mindfulness, this meditation. Um, is there any other health and wellness practices or dietary things? Um, Anything else that? Well, that's another thing. You know, I, I believe that everybody has to find what's right for them. And I believe that their inner being, their instincts know what's right for them to eat or exercise or these kinds of things. But the worst, there, there's another, you know, these things are not nearly as important because your physical well-being is is joined at the hip with your emotional mental well-being in reality i'm you know well, i don't want to get into it because it's too controversial but i will say this oh you can go uh, controversial if you like i'm okay <laughs> well uh you 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 just uh, you, you the worst thing that you can put in your body is a negative thought oh, i love that. Yeah. that that causes more damage physically to you than drinking a the something that you think is bad for you, soda or something like that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't really, I mean, in the, in the big picture, I don't think any of that matters. I think when you're, when you're in, uh, when you're centered, you just will instinctually reach for the things that are right for you to eat and to, for exercise. For me, I go in different phases, you know, I like to exercise. Um, I, always of exercise. I'm not very muscular or anything like that, but I like working out and running. I love to run. Uh, I had to stop everything for a while because I had to go through some right, yeah. shoulders, you know, stuff like that, but that's all right. You know, you go through that stuff. And then um, as far as diet for me, um, I discovered that vegetarianism worked best for me. Uh, I, I don't, 
I don't mind what anybody eats. Everybody has to decide for themselves what's right, you know, but I've been, I haven't eaten meat in 40 years wow. <laughs> and, uh, and it suits me. Uh, so yeah, everybody needs to find what's right for them. I think it's important though. And I go through phases, like uh, I'll go through a phase where I'll run a lot and then I'll maybe I'll, instead of that, I'll work out and then, then I'll go through a bike riding phase. And then recently I, I went through a stretching where I was doing intense like stretches. So like, good for you though, right? You yeah, it's really great because when I had, when I was healing, like when my shoulder healed, I had major surgery. I didn't I had yeah. no idea it was so messed you up. The cast and everything. Cause the most, yeah, but the, the fact that I, I have all of the range of motion back, the doctor said that was because you stretched so much <laughs> before. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny with the, with the dietary stuff because people can become, you know, very preachy about that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, my girlfriend and I, we've been vegan for I think it'll be five or six years this June. But mm -hmm. I'm the kind of guy where like, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, a BLT doesn't taste delicious. I just choose not to eat it because that doesn't work for me. So, yeah, all good. All right. So this is my last segment here. It is a rapid fire, rapid, bleh. Rapid fire series of questions, this or that, nothing too heavy, all musical related. Um, preferably pick one or the other. They're pretty impossible to pick one or the other. That's what makes it fun. You don't have to justify your answers, but you're more than welcome to. All right. There we go. I'll do my best. Humbucker or single coil? Humbucker. Uh, tremolo, or we already know the answer to that. 22 frets or 24 frets? 24. Okay. Thin, medium, or thick pick? Thick, thick. Nines or tens or elevens? Nines. Rosewood or maple fretboard? It depends. Okay, that's, that's hard. Rosewood. Okay. If you were to grab an acoustic, would you be more interested in a Martin or a Taylor? Taylor. Cool. Uh, amp gain or a pedal pushing the amp? Both. Cool. Good answer. 6L6 or EL34? EL34. This is a newer question. So 100 watt or 25 watt amp? Because everyone's into these low water jams now. 100 watt. That's right. Power. I just ordered your uh, your Synergy. Uh, ah, right on. Amp, but they're, they're, I don't know if you've heard, there's like a, they're filming a TV show outside the school today. A FBI Most Wanted TV show. It's on CBS. <laughs> and every so often I hear, because they're like doing some shooting scenes. So there's not yeah. gunshots happening, if you guys hear that. But they messed up my UPS livery. So I had the whole <laughs> Synergy chassis and I had the thing coming and I was going to show you and then it didn't come up. <laughs> right on. Some pedals, delay or reverb? Delay. Fuzz or overdrive? What's the difference? So like a fuzz face or like a tube screamer? Well, they're pretty different. Uh, probably overdrive. Okay. Phaser or chorus? Good question. Chorus. That's a rough one because it's so That's situational. Yeah. Wah or whammy pedal? You're making it hard. <laughs> Which do I use? Well, probably wah. Cool. Okay. When I first started playing your uh, Bad Horsey Wah was my first wah, and I love that it just shut off automatically. I've had yeah. my baby cool. since, and like I play like three songs, and I put my head next to my amp because the monitor guy sucks. I'm like, my pedal's been on the whole time. Awesome. So, brilliant technology there. Um, and then a couple of just uh, band questions. Uh, Beatles or Stones? Beatles. John or Paul? John. 
Bowie or Dylan? That's tough. I know. Ugh. Bowie. Okay. Uh, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but Zeppelin or Floyd? Zeppelin. Okay. Now, if you had to pick a Pink Floyd record, would it be Dark Side of the Wall? Dark Side of the Moon. Cool. Cool. And then this was... I, but I, I wouldn't pick Pink Floyd. I know, I know. Uh, Zeppelin, it's just like there's something for everything in that catalog. So Yeah. I mean, I was a... I listened to Pink Floyd growing up, but I wasn't really a fan. It was too cool. Too, it was too kind of like, you know... Of course, I like it now, but back then I, I needed... I needed to rock. You wanted to rock. Yeah. I tell you, that's that. Whenever I ask that question, that's where always people they answer. Like, I just wanted to, rah. and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> cool, man. Well, wh what's coming up new in the world of Steve? Vine? Oh my goodness. Well, I've been putting a lot of energy into my Patreon. Yeah, dude, you put up like five things popped up today or four things. You're on fire. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's, I've been for years, I've been looking, well, I've been thinking, you know, I've watched, I've, I've owned record companies and, uh, you know, and this kind of thing. And at one point I, I try, I considered starting a, uh, a huge website that was all encompassing and comprehensive for musicians still doesn't exist, but it, I needed like $10 million and I'm, <laughs> I just didn't want to go there. So, uh, I've been waiting for a platform to come along that I, that I think would be a sort of an evolution for musicians to be able to cre create, their own creative world where, you know, their fans can come to and get things. And, and I just uh, thought that, that my people researched a whole bunch of different things. And then Patreon seemed to be the one that had the parameters that would work the best. And I really like it because it's like right now I'm just charging like $5 a month. You know, it's so much value for that. It's yeah. It's I'm not doing it for the money. Obviously it's like, it's not going to make me, I mean, it doesn't even keep the lights on, but I love, love, love the idea of having all, all this stuff in one place, you know? So that's, that I've been putting a lot of time into that. And, um, well, I've, I'm balancing a bunch of projects right now. I started to do an acoustic vocal record, just one acoustic guitar and one vocal. And I got pretty far into it. And then with the shoulder, um, everything kind of went away, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I, I, when I started to come out of it, 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 it's been taking me months to get, get back. You know, like when I, when I, when I was done healing, well, when I was ready to be able to start playing, I could not believe how difficult it was. It was like, there was nothing there for picking or strumming. And I, 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 I was actually across my mind. Am I done? <laughs> you know, is it over? But now it's starting to come back. So that record, I might have to, uh, I have to get started on a, my next solo record because uh, I want to get back on tour. So right. I have a couple of songs already. You might know Candle Power and Knapsack are part of that. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've got 10 more songs probably or so that I'll put out and then I want to get on tour, man. Those two songs are so incredible because it's so one of the questions I was going to ask earlier was just like you, you come from so many different angles with, with just stylistically. And it seems like you're always challenging yourself and inspiring yourself and in turn inspiring other people. So it, it's so exciting to see what comes next. And even the acoustic singing thing, I loved on uh, I'll be around on the ultra zone record. I love oh, when you, you sing. So like, that's thank exciting. You. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I like, I like my voice, but it's very limited, you know, uh, but within these songs that I started to record, 
for the acoustic thing. It's it's fine. It's a it's kind of like for like fans that just would are pretty hardcore and just like that kind of thing. But you know, when as a create creatively, you just don't you you know you don't want to not do something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because and my my you know my, I've got people like, what are you doing this Patreon thing for? You're spending all this time and all this energy, and I'm like, I don't know. That's what I want to do right now. That's my, my, my creative nature is just pulling me towards that. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to keep a bunch longer. Our time is actually running out. Fine. Thank you so much for, for Thank all you. the knowledge. I mean, this has just been so much, you know, whenever I go back, I try and pick like the soundbite. What's the thing that I'm going to put on the Instagram to show people. And like, it's just all of it, all of it. Everything was beneficial. Again, just providing tremendous value to all of us. So thank you so much for your time and your insight. Well, it's my pleasure. I love the educational format. You know, I love uh, teaching. I love learning. And um, I will say this to your students, being in a music school surrounded by other musicians who have the same kinds of aspirations, dreams, and hopes. And being in that environment is a, uh, is a privilege. It's a special time. It really is. This right now, being here, trust me, I've been through it. And you will look back and you'll realize that right now you're making friends for life, mm-hmm. for life that you'll be working with and coming in and out of contact within the music business and otherwise for the rest of your life. It's an opportunity to, especially if they're coming to your school. I don't know if they're, uh, is it like in in June, we're coming back to in person and we have five lesson rooms and yeah. And you're, you're dead on. Like the community was my favorite part about it. Yeah. Enjoy the community. And here, I'll just leave you with this little, uh, little um, antidote that uh, will be really helpful for you. Um, Support the musicians that are around you. Support them just by being kind and friendly. This is really powerful because you know what it feels like when somebody is being kind and friendly to you, especially when you're nervous about how good or not good you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very important to feel support. And the way you get it, not because you, not because you, you I'm not saying that there's a quid pro quo, but by giving it, you instantly get it because you feel better. So uh, when, when you see somebody that's doing something and they're, 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 they're expanding, they're evolving, they're trying, they're pushing themselves, your mind is going to be, you've got two choices. One of them is of a very competitive nature, which criticizes them and, and will, you'll know (laughs) and the other is a very friendly one where you're supporting them and you're you know you don't want to placate you don't want to be phony you have to be sincere you got to really be sincere you got to you got to put yourself in their position if you can do that your whole experience at music school the way you learn what you end up playing how you communicate with others, the bond that you create for life with some of these other people, it's it's going to be enhanced. Amen, brother. That is all right. our entire uh, mission statement here. So you just hit the nail on the head. Thank you right. so much. Steve. My pleasure. Stay Thank safe. You. I look forward to uh, 
next Nam show. All right, to- Rob, you're doing a great job, brother. Thank you so much, man. That means the world to me. Thank you so okay. much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.